What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you as usual as we kick off the FedEx Cup playoffs this week. Uh, after an interesting tournament last week, uh, I was on vacation the uh, the back half of the week, so uh, I wasn't sweating golf as much as normal, but uh, did manage to check the leaderboards after Friday and Saturday to get very tilted over Billy Horschel. I suppose I have to take uh, my L on that, but uh, we'll get to that throughout the show. Hey, he didn't win the tournament, so uh, I don't know. But uh, I was talking too much, too much about Billy Horschel last week, and uh, and he he at least put a little bit of egg on my face for it. But I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals eighty four. Got Derek Farnsworth, aka Notorious, alongside Noto. What's going on? Yeah, some frustration was expressed by you in uh, in our <laughs> Slack. Uh, <laughs> I just had to message somebody about it. So, yeah, I got it off my chest. Yeah, I completely get it. I was frustrated as well. Uh, I had Henley outright, and, uh, man, he uh, he fell apart at the end, but he got some bad breaks as well. And then nobody's talking about this, but did you see Lucas Glover's drive on 18? I did not. I was driving home. There was just, I mean, he missed it left, but it was like 10 yards left of the fairway. It hit a cart. There was just a guy sitting there in a cart. It hit the cart. It was going to go in the trees, and it bounced back into the rough. Uh, it was just so weird to have that guy sitting there on the 18th hole of the final. That was divine in intervention game. for yeah. Lucas Glover then. Yeah, it was interesting. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun week. I always like that tournament. I think it's one of the more underrated tournaments of the year. And, uh, you know, we kind of saw this coming for a while now. Lucas Glover contended a couple times. Uh, the ball striking had picked up. And then, obviously, the putter had been a big story. And uh, it was kind of fun seeing him celebrate with his kids there. Uh, if you have uh, kids of your own, uh, that was a really good heartfelt moment there uh, after he won. So that was kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, my uh, – my wallet would have been happy if Russell Henley couldn't have blown it again at the same tournament. He's blown it a couple times there at the window. Yeah, so he fell just a little bit short. Um, Benny Ahn was there in the mix as well. We talked about him in last week's show. And then Horschel, uh, who was basically in the lead for most of the week, uh, struggled a bit on Sunday, shot a 72 uh, after a 62 in the second round, a 63 in the third round. Uh, had him basically as the leader heading into the final round, uh, but uh, gave a few strokes back. Uh, Mr. Wyndham Championship, Webb Simpson, showed back up. So uh, the course history truthers are pumping their fists this week with uh, a T5 finish for Webb. Adam Scott uh, had another good week, uh, cranking inside into the top 10 there on Sunday, but wasn't quite enough. Uh, to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, he finished 72nd in the standings. Justin Thomas needed a birdie on the very last hole of the tournament to make the top 70. He finished 71st. Uh, so you're going to have no Justin Thomas, no Adam Scott in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, instead, we've got Ben Griffin in at uh, 70th and JJ Spawn in at 69th. So uh, that's uh, you know that's the world of golf these days. You got Adam Scott and Justin Thomas sitting it out and JJ spawn and Ben Griffin battling it out in the top 70 there. But uh, part of, you know, kind of why they go to that format, I guess, to create that drama on, uh, on Sunday. So uh, any other takeaways, obviously I was, uh, I was out of town, so I didn't get to watch as much as I usually do. Uh, anything else noteworthy happened during the tournament? I mean, the JT story you mentioned a little bit, uh, incredibly fun on Sunday. Um, he drove it in the trees on 18 and just hit one of the, one of the coolest shots you'll see. And, he was falling over, still managed to do the club, club troll um, while he's falling <laughs> over. Um, and then nearly chipped it in, 
hit off the pin, the middle of the pin. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. A lot of people are saying maybe he goes over to the European tour to try to, you know, maybe persuade Zach Johnson to take him for the Ryder Cup. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Mr. Girk in the chat says Jaeger uh, fading again on a Sunday. Uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. He was uh, on my showdown team, so that didn't help things. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it's definitely uh, a win for the course history truthers, like you mentioned. I saw some people talking about this uh, late last night about Justin Thomas being on the Ryder Cup team for the team chemistry and whatnot, and we maybe talked about it a little bit on this show in, in the past editions, but um, there's just so many guys to choose from on the U.S. side that I, if you're going off of any form for the current year, other than just like a, you know, here's a medal for your past participation, I, I just don't think objectively uh, Justin Thomas belongs on the U.S. Ryder Cup team right now. I just, I don't see how you put him in over whoever, I don't care who, whoever else is on the bubble that you would be leaving out for Justin Thomas, I don't think makes sense at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think whoever gets hot in the playoffs is probably going to have an edge there. Um, guys like Sam Burns, Morikawa, you know, all kind of battling there. Maybe even somebody like Danny McCarthy, who was the ultimate shock last week. I mean, I definitely had my part in, uh, you know, playing him up last week. But, uh, man, him at 36% in uh, the big MME contest, that was uh, – that was some bad shock looking back. Yeah. Anytime you get to a number that high, um, you know, unless it's like Scheffler is the only top guy playing or something like that. Uh, it's pretty tough. And uh, you know, Denny fell just a shot short of the uh, cut line there on Friday. Uh, wasn't ever really, you know, threatening it. I mean, he, it looks a little better than, than it was because he made an Eagle on five, uh, which was his, 14th hole and then he birdied the last hole um to be one short but uh always kind of knew that the cut was going to get to minus two there uh so he did not make it and uh you know a few other kind of higher owned guys he was the clear chalk um i was on ekro last week for a bounce back that didn't work out uh chris kirk uh, hideki a couple guys that uh, have been you know somewhat popular plays at various points over the summer uh, that had really bad weeks as well. But uh, that uh, finalized the field for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, again, we're not starting with 125 in the playoff field this year. We're only starting with 70. Uh, and it's going to start at uh, the FedEx St. Jude in Memphis, where which has hosted the kind of uh, first playoff event, or one of the playoff events, I guess, for the last couple of years. Uh, and will be the host for the top 70 in ties. The other thing that came out today, they, they teased it over the weekend, but uh, the next year's PGA Tour schedule came out today. Uh, there's going to be, they, they're kind of changing around the elevated events. Some of them are going to have a cut of like top 50 in ties. Some of them aren't going to have a cut at all. Uh, I know that disappoints some of us DFS players that really, really like the, the cut line sweat, but uh, they released the 2024 PGA Tour calendar uh, the full calendar this afternoon. So you can check that out if you want. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time here on that, but if you've got thoughts, feel free to uh, throw them in. Otherwise uh, we can pivot to this week and start talking about uh, the course in Memphis. Yeah. So no longer elevated events there. Signature. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. Wrong term. You're going to need like a compass and <sighs> abacus and uh, also protractor, all those mathematical tools to figure out the schedule. 
Uh, yeah. Because there's just, you know, the qualification criteria for the uh, signature events, you know, it's a trailing few weeks and it's just crazy. Yeah. So it sounds like there's going to be eight of them in total. Three of them are going to have the cut, like you mentioned. Um, it's going to be the three player hosted tournaments. So the Arnold Palmer, the Genesis, and I can't remember the third one. And then the other ones, I mean, it's interesting to see Pebble be one of the uh, signature events because that's always been, you know, the Pro-Am. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue that or if they, you know, scrap that. So they said, be... I read that they're going to still do the Pro-Am for the ah. first two rounds, but the weekend is is All Pebble? the professional. Yeah, I think so. The that Pro-Am awesome. for the first two rounds, but the weekend is the pros only. And we're, are we getting all four rounds of Pebble? I don't know that. I don't think that would be. that in that would be a big upgrade because um, that's one of the you know better courses on. Tour, I would think so, so because the, those events are only going to have like seventy to eighty golfer fields, so maybe or maybe they use two. I don't know, but yeah, that's a good question. I don't think they addressed that in the release. And I heard some people saying the players isn't going to have a cut, but I didn't see that anywhere. It's actually not one of the signature events, so I think that's still going to have a, a full field. But it'll be interesting. Um, hopefully, they'll add more cuts as we go, and hopefully. This will all work out, but uh, it sounds like if you are in the top 50 or 70, whatever the cutoff is, that you can play in the fall, but you can't get FedEx Cup points in the fall. I don't know. What a weird uh, setup this is. Yeah, it is. Everybody's starting with zero points in January, um, and the points earned in the fall are just to determine status come January. Uh, like I say, you need an abacus, a compass, a protractor, um, a, a dictionary, you know, all those things to figure out what the schedule is going to be. We'll all learn it together as we go, but uh, we'll, we'll take it one week at a time and we'll have all the data in front of us when we get to each specific week. Uh, that's the good thing about DFS. We only have to worry about the one week. And uh, yeah, so this week it's the top 70 for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, no cut for this event in Memphis. And uh, we've got a course that we have seen before. This has been part of the playoffs, as I mentioned the last few years. Uh, it was previously a regular PGA Tour stop. So uh, what do we know about the course this week? Yes, TBC Southwind, par 70, the measures 7,243 yards. And uh, this is the spot where Will Zalatoris picked up his first win. Uh, so one of my favorite venues, uh, just trouble everywhere. I mean, the, narrow, the fairways here, very narrow, 20 yards wide, 29 yards wide on average. The greens here, very small, 4,300 square feet on average. Water's in play on 11 holes. So this is one of those courses where it kind of favors guys that just keep it in play, um, minimize mistakes. We've seen Daniel Berger win here twice. Will Zalatoris has um, talked forever about just hitting the middle of greens. That's kind of his uh, strategy on the PGA Tour, and that's why he's been so successful on the difficult courses. Abraham answers one here. So, uh, yeah, I think guys that can minimize mistakes, guys that can keep it out of the water, um, iron play is going to be important with these small greens. And uh, obviously, course history, I think it should matter a little bit more than usual this week. But, uh, yeah, it should be a fun event. Um, the no the no cut isn't great. Or is there going to be a cut? I, I heard conflicting stories that it was top 50. I don't believe so. That's So that's what they're going to next year for these designated okay. events or whatever the heck they're called. Yeah. They're going the uh, – some of the events that are going to have a cut are going to be like 70 to 80 in the field. And they're going to go to a cut of 50 and ties. But the for the playoff event here, I don't think there's any change from the past. I don't think there's a cut this week. Yeah, that's what I thought. I could be wrong, but I'll, I'll search it. Yeah. yeah, somebody said the PGA Tour site, site had one thing and then another site had another thing. But 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, top 50 will move on next week and then uh, the top 30 after that. And yeah, any uh, additional thoughts on the course? No, I don't think so. I think that's, you know, you, you bring up a good point about guys that are, you know, can just hit greens and, and, and stay out of trouble. I mean, this is not typically um, your birdie fest. I mean, before it went to a playoff event, we had winning scores of minus nine, minus 12, minus 10, minus 13, minus 13, minus 10. Uh, DJ did get to minus 19 one year, um, but not your course that's generally going to yield um, you know, 25 under par, um, outside of, you know, an odd one guy running away with it or something like that. Um, Zalatoris was minus 15, uh, for his victory. So, you know, it's going to be a course that you got to be a little bit more patient. Um, and obviously with presuming the no cut, uh, part is accurate, you know, you get everybody playing four rounds tends to lend itself maybe to taking a little bit more of a risk reward approach, uh, with your lineup building. So uh, anything else in general for you or we'll dive in here? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Uh, so again, a shorter field this week with only 70 golfers. So you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to have as much kind of unplayable, you know, at the bottom, everybody that's even at the bottom has obviously had some sort of success this year. They wouldn't be in the top 70. Um so, you know, it's not like we've got 50 unplayable golfers this week. So even though there's only 70, still plenty of guys to talk about. Uh, and we've got five guys priced above 10K this week. Uh, Scheffler getting the bump to 12-1. We've got Rory and Rom in the 11Ks. And then a dip down to Hovland and Shoffley right around 10K. So that's a pretty big gap in pricing. Um, you know, even though it's just five guys above 10,000, you basically got three ranges. You got Scheffler in a tier by himself, and then you got two in the 11Ks and two in the 10Ks. And there maybe is some value you can consider in the sixes this week with the nature of the field and, you know, everybody getting four rounds. So how does that impact uh, your approach here with Scheffler? Is he too expensive? Uh, and if so, you know, who do you like uh, as pivots in this range? Yeah, this feels like a course that should fit Scheffler's game uh, pretty well. Um, if you just look at his numbers, he's number one in uh, in this field in 2023 in bogey avoidance. He's also number one in greens regulation. So um, it all just is going to come down to the putter. If he loses a couple of strokes, he'll have a chance to win. We've talked about it a lot. Like He can win while not gaining strokes putting when the winning score is like 12 or 1300. But if the winning score gets into the 20 under par range, he's going to have to make some putts. So I do like Scheffler. I'm not necessarily prioritizing him in my uh, main lineup, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I think he's certainly a strong play. He's got a couple top 15 finishes here as well. I love Rory. Um, he's just been playing great. He's been a top 10 machine, obviously picked up the win at the Scottish a few weeks back, and he's got some good course history here as well. A little bit better putter than Scheffler. Um, similar tee to green metrics, just not quite as good, but those would be my top two. I think prioritizing one of them does make a lot of sense. Not that I don't like Rom, but it just kind of seems like his form's been a little lackluster outside of uh, the majors this year. So I, I prioritize those other two up there. But, um, yeah, do you have a strong take on those guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think I kind of ranked them in the same order. You know, Scheffler's going to hit basically every green uh, on a course like this. Uh, like you said, I, I think it just – is going to cater to, to his game nicely. Um, you know, motivation, I guess, becomes the 
common talking point it seems like in these early playoff events but now since we don't have 125 anymore we're starting from 70 it's basically go uh from the start so i'm not worried about you know some of these guys that are at the top of the standings like packing it in um if you look at basically any full season stat he's first uh scheffler first in approach first in off the tee first in ball striking first from tee to green etc uh, just the putter that, you know, occasionally even around the green, he's, you know, first or second, depending on what time frame you're looking at. So uh, tough to argue against Scheffler. I do like him here. Uh, and I think I will try to, if I get somebody here, Scheffler uh, or McElroy uh, would be my top two. And then probably Shoffley next, though. I, I don't really have a strong take on the other three. Um, right now we've got Rom at our very first pass of ownership. We've got Rom at 19 and Hovland and Shoffley around kind of that 10 to 12 mark. So um, kind of with you, I think Ram is maybe the guy I end up being out on a little bit um, from the guys in that range. Yep. Uh, I think I agree with you. No, no issue with Hovland. I mean, he's one of those guys that's improved around the green. He's had progressively better finishes here to the last three years. So I probably prefer him a little bit over Xander. All right. We move down into the uh, next range. we got uh, Patrick Cantlay has, uh, a couple of top 15 finishes here, though, none the last couple of years. Uh, Terrell Hatton does not have the best course history. Ricky Fowler, obviously with his resurgent year, 9th, 17th, and 15th, his last three trips here. And then we've got Spieth, Fleetwood, Morikawa rounding out the 9K range this week. Um, and, you know, I, I'm probably going to try to prioritize getting to somebody, one of those aforementioned names at 10K+. plus. Um, and then, you know, maybe dipping down into the eights. It's not that I don't like these guys. I just, I'm not sold on Hatton at this course. Um, you know, Fowler has prices kind of come up and I know that, uh, that he's probably going to get some buzz. We got him at uh, 16% ownership right now. I, I just don't see anybody in here that I have to have. Um, do you like anybody in particular in this nine K range? Well, this feels like a perfect Colin Morikawa course uh, when it comes to hitting fairways and then hitting greens. You know, you always take your chances with the short game, but I never get him right. And, uh, man, it just feels like he's going to put together a good couple-week stretch here to get himself onto the Ryder Cup team. So I don't mind playing the motivation angle a little bit. I know, you know, pressure doesn't necessarily lead to better golf, but he's just he's, he hasn't picked up a win this year. It just feels like, you know, he's had a lot of high finishes, and maybe this is one of the spots where he can get it done. He's finished – T26 or better here on all three of his appearances. And then Patrick Cantlay, he has four wins uh, between August and October the last three years. This is always the time where he comes alive. He always kind of disappoints in the majors, and he always makes a run in the playoffs. It's just what he does. So I wouldn't uh, mind looking at him in tournaments if the ownership isn't going to be crazy because I do think you know Hatton and Ricky uh, are going to garner some ownership and probably Fleetwood as well. Yeah, I mean, Fleetwood feels like the safe option. Um, Noto made my decision easy on what to do with Morikawa. So, you know, if you, if you, I just if said you, it sets up well. I don't know if I'm playing him yet. I'll let everyone you, know. But you like him. Sports. So it's the yeah. same difference. You know, if you like him, it's the same difference. Uh, if you have not watched this show regularly over the years, like Noto's not joking. The one guy that he seems to always get wrong one way or the other is Morikawa. He plays well when, you know, when he's off of him and, and, and doesn't play well when he's on him. Um, we get a lot of things right here, but everybody's got, you know, that one guy or that couple of guys, uh, Horschel apparently for me after last week, 
that you just can't seem to be on the right side of. And uh, over the last couple of years, that's been that's been Morikawa uh, for Noto. So yeah, I probably bet him six or seven times the last three years, and uh, he's missed the cut. I think every time. So. <laughs> yeah, at least he's not making it you know difficult on you. It's just a it's a it's written off before it gets to Sunday afternoon. You know, maybe better that than than Henley. And then what happened to Henley last week? But speed, um, you playing some speed? No, come on, no, <laughs> no, no speed for me. And you know, it seems like he's probably going to be the lowest owned guy in this range. I mean, if you're a speed truther, I, I don't know where his, you know, where his game is at. Seemingly on a week to week basis, you just don't know what you're getting with speed these days. Um, you know, he, he had that ridiculous run a few years back, and then he couldn't make a cut and and was just horrible uh and now kind of all of a sudden he's become a little bit more up and down on a regular basis it's not this prolonged ups and prolonged downs with speed so i'm not really sure what to make of that but uh, i almost never play him so take that with a grain of salt yeah i just don't i don't know i don't i don't love anybody in here and i'm probably just gonna skip a lot of this range and prioritize Scheffler, Rory, Shoffley, and then, you know, taking my next option down in the eight case. Yeah, I don't mind that approach at all. All right. Well, let's talk about some of those 8K options here. Uh, we've got Jason Day, Max Homa, Tony Finau, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Wyndham Clark. Uh, we can probably split this up at least into a couple of smaller discussions, but that group in the higher end of the 8K range, uh, who's standing out to you there? Wyndham Clark rates out the best for me. He's been playing tremendous golf ever since he picked up his first win, then obviously went on to win uh, the U.S. Open as well. And he's followed that up with three top 35 finishes. Uh, finished T28 here last year. He kind of does everything well. He's good off the tee. He's good on approach. He's really good around the green, and then he's an excellent putter. So I certainly think it's a good course fit for him, and I think the price point's more than fair. So I do like him. Outside of that, it feels like a good home, of course, but he hasn't played great here in the past. Uh, Finau's got a lot on the line. He needs to play well if he wants to be on the Ryder Cup team. So if you want to play the motivation angle, I don't mind that. He's coming off of his best finish in quite some time. Granted, it was at the 3M where, you know, Weakfield and, you know, he had that elite, elite course history. But he's been pretty good here, too. So those would probably be my three that I would look at in the upper eights. I think the, uh, you know, as we get the next guy down there is Matsuyama at 8,400. And I think he's really interesting because, um, you know, with the way that he was playing, let's say if Matsuyama would have finished uh, in the top five last week, let's just say Matsuyama would have finished in the top five last week. So he'd be on a stretch of fifth, 30th, 13th um, over three events. And then you look at his history here at this course, uh, he's got a win here back in 2017. He was T2 last year. His last five trips, um, he's gained um, – or excuse me, the T2 was a couple years ago. The five trips, I think this was before – this is without ex including the playoff event, uh, 31 strokes gained on the field. So um, he's got good course history, seems to be a good course fit, but now nobody's going to play him because he shot five over last week. So – how, um, I, I think it's Matsuyama is really interesting here. How do you lose five and a five point eight strokes around the green? Did he chip it in the water or something? He had one hole where he uh, got stuck in a bunker three times. I remember oh, that one. That'll I do. Saw that that'll one take three strokes right there. Yeah. So the uh, outside of that, I don't recall anything. 
Yeah, I mean, he's usually pretty good around the green. So he did gain 2.5 strokes ball striking in those two rounds last week. So, yeah, if you uh, if you like Hideki, no reason not to play him uh, just because of the miscut. So he's at 8,400 right now. We've kind of got him in that. No, no, Nobody's standing out as massive chalk here, maybe except for Brian Harmon, um, who uh, is obviously on a, on a high right now uh, coming off his Open Championship win. But, I mean, people are going to forget the history right before that he was 12th at the Scottish. He was ninth at the rocket mortgage. And he was second at the travelers. So uh, that's a stretch of four straight top 12 finishes for Brian Harmon culminating, obviously in the major victory. Uh, you got cam young in here, kind of a volatile player. And we've got Burns and Sung Jay rounding out the eight K range. Uh, anybody you like in there? I do like Sam Burns. I do think he's going to garner a lot of steam throughout the week. He's basically been on, Every betting card that I've seen uh, here early on Monday, he played pretty well here the last two years with the second and the twentieth. I believe he lost in a playoff in 2021, um, and he's just—he's uh, been solid. He gained a bunch of strokes ball striking last week at the Wyndham, so I think he makes a lot of sense. I don't think I'm going to play Sung Jay. This kind of feels like a Sung Jay course, but even if you look at his numbers from last week, once again he lost strokes on approach. It was basically all short game. So until he gets just a little bit better with the ball striking, I don't think I can go there. And then Cam Young, I'll just wait and see what his ownership ends up being. I think this could be an interesting spot for him. Another guy that probably needs a good couple of weeks to secure a Ryder Cup spot. And we always talked about him and Will Zalatoris playing the same course as well. And uh, obviously, you know, Willie Z won here last year. Yeah, Young, uh, you do get if you get the you know the benefit of the no cut format because uh, you, you could see him maybe shoot one really bad round, but. Uh, a guy that you know you're at least going to get four rounds from, and and certainly he's going to be aggressive. So um, Matsuyama is going to be my favorite in that range, obviously for the reasons that I just mentioned. Um, fine with the others, but I, I kind of like getting to. I, I didn't say as much about the top part of this range, but um, you know Finau at ten percent, Wyndham Clark at fourteen percent. Like I, I think those guys are fine. I'd rather play them over him and and Burns this week. So. That takes us into the 7K range. And again, as usual, we start to get a lot more golfers in this tier. Um, you've got Russell Henley trying to rebound after that tough uh, closing stretch last week. We got Tom Kim, Sepp Straka, uh, who's had some, some high moments this summer. Uh, Keegan Bradley, Corey Connors, the gala. And then last week's chalk at uh, a, a big price point. That is this week's non-chalk at a significantly lower price point in Denny McCarthy at 7,500. Really interested to hear your thoughts on him this week. Uh, Benny on is at 7,500 as well, coming off of a strong week. So um, interesting range here because you got guys that were in the mix last week in Henley and Benny on, and then uh, you got McCarthy in here and recency bias is a thing. So uh, what do we do here? Yeah, if you like Denny last week at 10K and 36% ownership, you should probably like him this week at 7,500 and a lot less lower, or a lot less ownership. He's been pretty good here, a couple top 20s in the last five years. And uh, I think it's a pretty good course fit for him as well. Uh, he hits a lot of fairways. He didn't last week, but uh, long term he does. And his iron play has been a lot better this year. So I do like Denny to bounce back. Um, I think it's a good spot for Connors as well. And then Tom Kim just feels like a perfect course for him. Guy that's going to hit fairways, going to hit greens. And the last two times we've seen him, he's finished sixth and second. Um, they were both overseas, but uh, yeah, T13 here last year. 
Even Henley, I mean, Henley seems like a good course fit as well. Guy that's going to hit fairways and greens. He's just been striping the ball the last, you know, three or four months. And, uh, yeah, let everyone down last week, but uh, don't mind going back at that price point. I think you could play three of these guys between 75 and 7,800 and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, and that build fits, uh, you know, if you start with Scheffler, you've got 75, 80 on average for the rest of your golfers. So, you know, you can get three guys in this range. Um, you know, if you do that, then basically you have that same average, 75, 7,600 for your last two spots where you can get maybe one value and uh, one guy that we already discussed discussed maybe up in the 8Ks. So just some food for thought as you build your lineups this week. Um, I did not play McCarthy last week, so I have not been uh, burned by it. And uh, I am more than happy to go there at 7,500 this week at about a quarter of the ownership, a fifth of the ownership maybe, uh, what we saw a week ago. You know, Henley, uh, it all comes down to, I guess, mentally how you think he bounces back if you think it's not a big deal for him. Uh, he's certainly fine. He's going to project well at that price. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think going with a couple guys in here is certainly a path you can take. Uh, I like Benny on uh, been playing consistently good golf. As long as the putter reasonably cooperates, you could see him being in the mix again. Uh, so just interesting options here in the upper part of the seven K range. And then we dip down. We've got a few more guys who are playing well. Uh, Lucas Glover with the win last week was the only player to move up into the top 70. So that got him into the playoffs. He's 7,400 this week. Uh, chat favorite Jaeger at 7,300. See if he can put four rounds together. Uh, Poston's been playing some pretty good golf at, uh, at 7,300. He's got back to back top tens and four top tens in his last five starts. Uh, we've got Rose. We've got Grillo. We've got Harris English, Taylor Moore, all in the seven K's. And again, just goes to show you the depth of the field because uh, we've only got the top 70 golfers playing this week. Uh, anything else you like there in the seven uh, case? Yeah, love posting. You mentioned the form. I'll also add that he's gained over 10 strokes on approach in his last two starts. He's also three for three here, all top 30 finishes. So he checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, Jaeger, I always find playing Jaeger on a, a course that you know requires good ball striking. And then... Yeah, probably not going to play Glover uh, after his win, but uh, the model does like Justin Rose. He's been a little bit inconsistent the last few months, but does have a lot of upside, and he's used to a lot of these, you know, stacked field playoff events he's played for a very long time uh, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And that's pretty much it, although Harris English is interesting. He's got, like, the best course history of anyone um, at this event on a per-round basis, which I thought was interesting. He did gain four or 5.8 strokes on approach last week. Does seem like, uh, you know, his wild driver could get him in trouble here. But, um, yeah, he's one of those guys. He tends to play the same course as well each year. And then we got a question from uh, Jack Dog in the chat saying it seems like there's a lot of value guys uh, on Yahoo down in the $20 range. Um, any thoughts on that? And, yeah, it just always seems like Yahoo's got those underpriced guys that you can play the stars and scrubs. It's been like that since they uh, pretty much started their golf Product. Yeah, and it's you know it's strange because a lot of times they don't move the prices on the golfers uh, based on the event because they keep every golfer in their database every week, so uh, they just don't show up when they're not projected to play that week. Uh, so a lot of times when you get these weaker field events, you know Yahoo uh, has everybody underpriced. But now when you get these super strong field events, they're like 
forced to kind of adjust their pricing a little bit. Uh, so you always get those guys around 20 bucks uh, that you can play and, and help get those stars and scrubs, you know, lineups in, which is certainly the case again this week. I haven't taken a deep dive um, into, you know, their, uh, their pricing. I'm going to try to pull it up now. We don't have our golf uh, projections up yet for Yahoo, but I'm going to try to pull a contest up quick and uh, see if I can't check that out. So here we go. A lot of times, you know, there ends up being somebody at, so the guys like at $20, Eric Cole's been 20 bucks forever. Taylor Moore's 20 bucks. Jaeger's 20 bucks. Benny on's 20 bucks. Todd's 20 bucks. Glover's 20 bucks. Poston's 21. Got to pay a premium there. Henley's 26. You know, you, you basically you can get two or three. If you play, say, two $20 guys, you know, you got $40 on average for the rest of your golfers, which is basically getting you two or three studs. So, yeah, that Stars and Scrubs approach on Yahoo certainly works um, again this week. So. so what do you look for in the value range in these no-cut events? Are you going for guys that you can hope finish in the top, like, 30, or are you going for the boomer bust guys that, you know, Maybe yeah, I don't. I, 10, but. I tend to not play the safe guys. I tend to play the guys that I think are going to make because, you know, if you got a guy that makes say sixteen pars and you know two birdies, if you got a guy that makes ten pars and an eagle and four birdies and you know four bogeys, I don't even know that probably doesn't even have to eat. <laughs> but you get the picture. Um, just with fantasy scoring, you know. It, positional bonuses unless you're in the top five really don't you know you're not playing for that one bonus point for finishing like 40th or whatever so yeah and the no cut events i want guys who i think are going to make you know be aggressive um maybe make some birdies like i'll tend to take a spenson or a, a Dietry type over say chris kirk um or brendan todd like in an event like this nothing against those guys but i'll take the more volatile guys that's my thoughts as well, but at the same time, you get you might get four rounds of really bad play rather sure. than just two. So, uh, and if you get four yeah. rounds, yeah, four <laughs> rounds of really bad play, you just take your L uh, and you move on. But uh, interesting range here. Um, was surprised to see Norman um, inside the the top seventy in the standings, but I guess he did win that alternate event. Uh, or did he win? Or was did he? Almost yes, he did. I forget. Yeah. I knew that he had a ticket on it. I couldn't remember if he pulled it off or if he was runner up, but uh, I guess that was enough. He got him to 68th in the standing. So he's in the field again this week. Um, you know, we've got guys that are just fine as values like Cole, who was chalky last week, Todd, Kirk, Smalley. Um, Nick Hardy is coming off a pretty good week. Uh, Putnam is a guy that, you know, we've considered as a value in the seven Ks, but these are the guys that are in the six Ks this week. Uh, we'll just make it a free-for-all on the rest of this range. But uh, who do you kind of like in here? How did JT miss? And we have Neesmith, Mackenzie Hughes, Taylor Montgomery. I don't think he's made a cut since, like, February. <laughs> I mean, it's just wild. Uh, that's the result of this season going back to last October. Yeah. You know, that's not going to be the case going forward. If this was the new rules, um, you know, Taylor Montgomery wouldn't be there. But uh, with the old rules still in play for this season, yeah, last fall has uh, saved Taylor Montgomery's bacon with the playoffs. <laughs> Pretty wild. So he's going to be in all the all the big events next year too. Um, yeah, maybe he'll uh, find some form. But the guys I do like, I like Brendan Todd. I know he's more of a safety guy than an upside guy, but he's shown some upside lately. Nearly won the John Deere. 
T7 last week. And if you look at his, you know, stats, it hasn't just been the putter. So he's gained at least 1.8 strokes on approach in five of his last six starts. Really good iron play um, from a guy that is typically known as just an accuracy putter guy. Don't mind going to Norman, like you mentioned. I like Svensson. He makes a lot of birdies. I like Smalley for that same reason. And then in the very uh, bottom range, I don't mind looking to Andrew Putnam. He's been playing some really good golf. And if you look at the course history, 5th, 24th, 2nd, I don't mind looking at him at 6,400. He's been playing some really good golf. And uh, his, his the result last week would have been a lot better if he would have putted a little better. Yeah, I don't mind going down here, getting you know one golfer to round out your lineups again with a no-cut event. Uh, even somebody that tends to be a little bit more risk reward, as I mentioned, um, you know, Seamus Power fits that mold. Uh, Shank maybe fits that mold. He never used to, but he does these days. Um, you know, I, Dietrich, who I mentioned earlier, I think is fine. I don't think you want to go crazy down here because there's so much stuff to like in the seven Ks. Um, but you know, if you're going double stud at the top, like if you're trying to do a Scheffler plus ROM build or something like that, uh, you can, you know, you can certainly pick and choose your favorite uh, down in this punt range. All right. Uh, let's see. I think that takes us through the golfers. Uh, we can't do a 12 man snake draft tonight because there's only 70 golfers in the field. So we're going to have to do a six person snake draft. Producer Steve won it last week. So he's uh, anxious to run it back. Uh, he didn't know that he won until, you know, I told him right before the show, but I'm sure he was following intently and then, you know, just forgot. But um, so we'll grab a five dollar uh, six man snake draft on DraftKings. There's two right now that are zero of six. So I'm going to enter one of them so that I'm one of six. And then you all know which uh, which ones to enter. So if you're not interested in the snake draft, obviously you can. Uh, tune out but uh, appreciate you joining us as always we will do a show next week for the second playoff event with 50 golfers uh, we probably won't do one for the tour championship but uh, if you like the show feel free leave us a thumbs up subscribe to the youtube channel uh, we appreciate that very much and uh, we'll see you next week thanks as always for listening <laughs>